Welcome to Stand Up Startup Brands. I'm your host, Amrita Gurney, and in this episode, I speak with Kathy Bryan, Head of Marketing and EVP at Electives, an enterprise learning platform. Kathy shared her journey to CMO, which is a path that many of us are interested in. And what's especially interesting is that her CMO role was at a company that ended up going public. So lots of great information and can't wait to share this with you. Let's jump in. Hi, Kathy. It's really great to have you here. It's so good to be here. Thank you. So there's definitely a few areas of your career that I think are super interesting to talk about. But one of the things that struck me right away when I was getting to know you is that you started your career in the agency world on the account management side, and then you moved into your first marketing role at Sparkroom. Would love to hear a bit more about how did that transition happen? And What are some things that you remember from that time when you went from being account director at an agency to in charge of everything marketing at a company? So I love agency life because there's so much energy within advertising agencies. People are excited about new ideas. You're working with really strong creative folks. But the thing that always struck me at an agency was that I was not in charge of the strategy. I may be able to influence the strategy. The client may be coming to me for ideas and expecting really great ideas, but ultimately I was not responsible for implementing that strategy or choosing that strategy. It was more the execution. I am someone who really likes to be there at the beginning, thinking through what is the business objective? What is the challenge? What are the opportunities? And That was a big part of why I made that switch into the client side or the corporate side of marketing. When I got there, I honestly thought it was going to be a piece of cake. I'm not kidding. I made the switch when I had a brand new baby in the house, my first baby. And I was like, I bet I can take this part time. And possibly, possibly I could have based on how it had been happening there to date. But really, I am one of those people who's always going to make everything bigger and better just because it's fun to do that. And I very quickly realized, like, not only is this not a part-time job, but this is bigger than I ever realized it was kind of job. But the other thing that I discovered is, unlike at an advertising agency where everybody cared about advertising and marketing, when I was corporate marketing... I was really the only one who cared about marketing as much as I did. Everybody else was running the business, making it happen. And I started calling myself a crumb collector because I would go around and like collect information. I literally visualized I'm at a table sweeping crumbs into my plate and then like looking for the ones that really matter. Sometimes it was really challenging to get that information that I really needed to do my job well, to be proactive instead of reactive. And learning how to teach people to help me by giving me the right information so that I could help them with proactive marketing was a big thing that I had to get through. I had to figure out what do I need and how do I explain to them what information that is and how to get it to me in a way that makes a lot of sense. The other thing was getting people to see what marketing was doing and to really care about what marketing was doing. Because marketing is 
is working on all of this long list of activities all the time. And if you tell everybody about all the things, they will stop caring about any of it. So knowing when to tell the rest of the team who's less excited about marketing than the marketing team is, which things they need to see, knowing what to tell them so that you're highlighting the important stuff was the other initial hurdle that I had to overcome to figure out what was important for the rest of the team, what needed to be important. I'm so glad you brought that up because I think as an early career marketer, that's one of the hardest transitions to make because we think it's all about being the domain expert within a channel or, you know, again, like being the smartest marketer in terms of the hard skills that I have found. And it sounds like you have too, that one of the most challenging things was actually talking about marketing inside the organization because it is a department that really varies from company to company and it can be a bit of a black box. So at that time, were you reporting into the CEO? Was this a conversation you were having with them or what was your org structure like? Who did you have to educate in this role? So when I made the transition initially, I was reporting into the head of sales. And just to complicate it more, Sparkroom was a marketing company. So we were doing marketing on behalf of education clients. So I wasn't necessarily the domain expert in marketing for all the things, but they were all doing that business and I was doing the marketing of the brand. So it was this wacky thing of not always being the expert in a specific marketing skill, but more so the expert of how to market the brand. And then you went from that role. Actually, it sounds like that company was acquired. Is that right? Yes. What was that experience like? And you've been with that company or you were with that company for many years, which I imagine again was like, you know, they always say, don't worry about which seat you have on the rocket ship, just get on the rocket ship. Was it that type of experience for you where you just felt like it was a career accelerator? It really was. So I had built out the marketing function, but it was still a very small function at Sparkroom when it was acquired by Digital Media Solutions. And Digital Media Solutions is also a marketing company, really in the performance marketing space. So not so much about that brand marketing, but really more like lead generation type of marketing. They never marketed themselves. They had only just really ever grown through sales, knocking on doors. So suddenly I'm in this new, bigger environment and I am essentially launching a corporate marketing program there. And the very first thing that I needed to do was explain to them why marketing even should exist. So I'm at a company that is doing marketing. I'm doing marketing for the company and explaining to them why we should exist. And I remember that first question of, do I even have a budget? Like after we got acquired, like, Hey, this was the budget I was using. Do I have a budget at all? It was a little hairy for a little bit, but over time and through the years, I continued to show the value of what marketing can do to grow a company, to build that brand awareness, to build the thought leadership platform, which then generates interest in the services and creates a true demand generation program. And as we proved ourselves, the team grew. Looking back at that time, was there anything that was a light bulb moment for your CEO or the leadership team or anything that you feel sort of moved the needle? I again, think back to my career and I 
still remember had an amazing mentor who I hope to have on this podcast. And he really taught me how to consider the position that the CEO was in and really taught me how to really tell the story of what marketing was doing to your point. And I did feel like there was a couple of points in that moment where marketing went from being a cost center to a really powerful value driver. And I'm curious for yourself, did that happen as well in your experience at DMS? The moment that I think was probably the most pivotal was actually at a conference where we created an event outside the exhibit hall where we had a line of people for the entire conference that wanted to come to our event. And suddenly this entire conference, people were chattering about us, about our company, instead of just about the industry and about the event. And I believe what really changed the perception for the marketing team being a, ah, whatever, it's kind of here to, okay, this is a real thing and can make a real impact was pride, pride of the CEO and COO. The company was a founder-led company. And so even though I was at Digital Media Solutions through that moment where it went public, it was still a founder-led company. And they've just got their heart on the sleeves when they're the founders of the company. And so much of it is about them and their personality and what they built. And so feeling everybody talk about them, it just was this moment where it was like, okay, marketing can impact our business. But not only that, it feels good. And that was the moment, I think, for our leadership team that it was like, yes, this is something that is worth investing in. This is something that is making an impact on our business, which is not necessarily the answer that I wish that I had. I wish it was this moment where I could be like, our ROI was some crazy percent. But I really believe it was this moment where it was like, yeah, this feels good and it feels right. That is such a great point because I think we're in this era as marketing leaders where everything seems to be about measuring a direct connection to revenue. And while I understand why that's important, and ultimately, of course, marketing should be able to point to what it does for the business, I feel like there are things that are really hard to measure. And it's things like this, people talking positively on your behalf, that's very hard to track. I think that it puts us in a really tough position as marketing leaders because we know that's important, but getting resources and buy-in for some of these things that are really about customer experience and loyalty and advocacy, it's a lot harder than saying, hey, I want money for lead gen programs and I can show you that I put you know, 100K in here and it's going to spit out 500K or more on the other side. Is it still something that you feel yourself or other marketers struggle with? Or have you figured out a way to get past this? I truly believe it's a struggle. And I'm very happy. I feel like recently within the marketing community on LinkedIn, I've been seeing more chatter about how attribution is ruining marketing because it is taking creativity away. And there was a specific campaign recently where Vans, the shoe company, had some shoes driving around and someone was joking about what's the attribution of that. And it's like, 
how cool is this? They are doing something that people are talking about. And I'm like looking at vans for the first time in years because I've always loved them. And I just simply forgot about them. Obviously I am an audience of one. So, (laughs) but I think attribution is important and you need to know what's working, but we all also know in marketing that it all works together. And if you remove those top of the funnel things, your bottom of the funnel that you can track better is going to perform less well. So it's not so much that you can measure this, you can't measure that. So that's not working. It's that it works together. And without one part of the puzzle, your puzzle is not going to be complete and your performance won't be as strong. So I think it's a frustration. I could probably go on all day, but I mean, measuring is important. I agree. And I think one of the biggest challenges in marketing is nowadays too, you know, I feel like people have a lot of fatigue because they're seeing ads in the same channels. And I think you have to find a way to stand out as a marketer. And so I'm seeing a bit of a trend of trying some things that are more offline, you know, things like events, direct mail, community, things that I think we're seeing again, more as a cost center, even something like swag. I don't know if you have swag for your current company, It's something we've debated a lot, even in my current company at Float. And ultimately, sometimes people just love that stuff because it's a way for them to, again, feel seen, feel connected. What do you think about investments, again, in these other areas of marketing? How do you think about it as a marketing leader? Do you put a percentage of budget towards things like that? Or is it more of an ad hoc type of way of approaching it? For me, it is more of an ad hoc type of way of approaching it, but I totally agree. The value of swag is so important and totally not measurable, or at least largely not measurable. I suppose you could find some ways to measure some of it. When I go into restaurants, I'm one of those people who, you know, marketer for life, like wherever I go, I'm evaluating the marketing. I go into restaurants and I see like $40 for a sweatshirt. And I'm like, don't you want me wearing your sweatshirt? I'm in your local community and I could be your billboard. Just give it to me. I truly believe swag has an amazing value at building a brand. And we probably all should be doing it more, but it's hard to measure. Uh, my last role the company worked in travel and tourism. And so we were marketing to marketers, which was a lot of fun. And we did the simplest swag. We actually just had branded socks, but they didn't really have the company's name sort of too front and center. It was just icons of different travel themed images. And people would constantly post photos of their socks on social media. And again, like it just started to build over and over again. And, you know, it was a $10 pair of socks. And I just think about these things that we did that really I would never have thought could have led to that feeling of us being a part of the community. And they ended up doing that. Um, And it's something I think about now as well, because I'm in a company that markets to finance people. And so does every audience care about that? I don't know. I think that's still a question that I have to answer. Last question about your time at DMS, and then would love to talk about your current role at Electives. You were working at a company that was a public company. What was that experience like? I think a lot of startup marketers never get to see that. You know, the companies might get acquired, or unfortunately, they don't make it. What was it like being the CMO of a public company? It was incredible. It was a lot of pressure, and it was a lot of rules. The number one thing, the incredible part is that I was 
part of the company when it went public. And I was actually at the New York Stock Exchange to ring the bell. There was literally nobody there because it was July 2020, but it was still really cool for me. Overnight, everything changed because suddenly we had to play by the SEC rules and we had to think, what can we say publicly? So if we're launching a new product, have we told the investors? Have we let the public know? Are we doing it the right way? Marketing couldn't just go about being marketers anymore. We needed to think about following all the SEC guidelines. And there was also just the pressure that came from having to meet the expectations of the investors, which changes the game. You can't have a quarter that is a reshuffling quarter if investors are expecting growth. You've got to always be be exceeding the investors' expectations. So there was definitely a lot more pressure than there had been before. Quite honestly, it was less fun where it seemed like, oh my gosh, this is going to be amazing. It was truly less fun after that moment. And I think the last thing too is just there was another audience in the mix. So everything we did, we had to now think, okay, how will the investors interpret it? And are we communicating consistently with investors as we are to everyone else? So a little more complicated, a little more pressure and less fun, but it was still a good experience. Absolutely. It's certainly a great experience just in terms of your own track record. Because again, the number of people who get to do that is definitely smaller than the number of people who work at startups. And yeah, I think your point again, that I think was really important for other people to hear is that your audience and marketing are not just your prospective customers. Your audience is also people inside your business. Often these days, I feel like it's also your employer brand, which I know you partner with your people leader on that, but ultimately people perceive your brand in so many ways. And as the steward of the brand, I do think that that means that marketing is a lot broader in that way than maybe some other departments as well. So fast forward to today. So you've been at electives for the last year or so back into a smaller, earlier stage company Tell me a little bit more about what you're doing at Electives and what is it like to be building again from scratch? Yes, I'm excited to talk about Electives. So Electives launched in 2020. I joined the company in 2022. Electives is an enterprise live learning platform that's making it possible to deliver impactful learning. So our audience is HR leaders, people ops, other business leaders like DEI. It is truly a startup. So I've worked at smaller companies before, but it was more like smaller boutique agencies versus investor-backed startup. And it's a lot of fun. We're like building the plane as we fly it, as the saying goes. The toughest thing for me in this transition is I was used to having a big team and a big budget. And I shift over into this startup world where... I thought, oh, I've got this because I was used to having to navigate a growth company that changed a lot. So I'm like, I got this. I know how to pivot and you know remain agile. But I'd forgotten when you have a smaller team that you can truly do less, even though you still have the pressure to do more. And the challenge for me is like, okay, how do you get it all done when you've got this smaller team? I talk now about my army of 47 AI robots that I have working for me. 
I don't think I've got all 47 going in the right direction yet, but we'll get there. But it's a lot of fun learning a new industry. I love our mission, which is to help people grow and connect. We believe in the idea of humans learning from humans and that live learning where you're truly connecting and hearing from each other is so much more memorable and so much more impactful. And I think that's a big part of what keeps me so excited is that I truly believe that I am doing something really good and something really important, which is my prior career when I was working within performance marketing, selling performance marketing, I had a lot of fun. I did a lot of really good things. But I didn't necessarily feel like I was making the world a better place if we sold one more thing. And now I really feel like the more we sell, like the more positive impact we're making on the world. And that's pretty awesome. I love that. I think that a lot of times we forget that software can make your life better, even if it's not in healthcare or in one of these fields where it's like maybe more immediate. I think being able to be more happy in your job or to your point to, you know, foster more inclusive workplaces. I think there's a lot of those kinds of benefits that are really one of the most rewarding parts of being in B2B. And I'm smiling because I think people often think about marketing as being like just fun and glamorous. And I hear you on the working with smaller teams. In some ways, I think the most challenging part of being an early stage marketing leader is that the universe of what you could be doing is really gigantic. And your ability to execute on that is much more challenging with a smaller team. I think it's similar on the product side where, yes, you could probably build 100 things because your product is still in its earlier days, but you don't have the teams that you will when you're a 100 or 200 person company. So one thing I love about this podcast is that I get to just uh, talk to people who get me and uh, really appreciate you calling that out. It's so funny too, because I feel like I've never worked somewhere where so many people have so much passion and so many great ideas. But sometimes it's like, okay, we've got enough ideas and it's a matter of figuring out how to prioritize those ideas and get it done. That being said, you never have all the best ideas. You still want to be brainstorming and coming up with those new ideas, but it adds to that list of like all the things I could be doing and I wish I had time for. Last question I have before we do rapid fire, which I do at the end, which are just some fun questions that I ask is, you know, you are someone who went from being sort of the head of marketing at a company, staying with them for many years through to being the CMO. Is there anything that you felt was a milestone or sort of personal development that you felt really contributed to you being able to go from being in sort of a more junior role to being the CMO, which is ultimately, I guess, the pinnacle for us marketers and certainly at a public company. What made you be able to continue to stay and grow your career and be able to reach that height? I've got a really straightforward answer for this. I finally asked for it. I was one of those people who always believed do good work and you will be rewarded. And I kept being underneath somebody and I didn't want to be underneath somebody anymore. So I said, I got this. This is mine. I'm doing it. Give it to me. And I got it. I love it. And congrats because I think that was another thing that I learned in my career. Like people will not necessarily take the initiative to do that for you. And 
I do feel personally that it happens likely more to women than to men. Hopefully one day it won't, but I do think that there is of that into play here. And so good for you for asking. I love seeing more and more people advocating for themselves and ultimately, you know, congrats on being able to get that recognition, which you certainly deserved. Thank you. So we're already out of time. I don't know where the time goes. This went by really fast. So I'm just going to ask a couple of fun questions. One is, are there any brands that are on your radar that you really admire as a marketer, whether it's a consumer brand, B2B brand, any that you pay attention to? One of my top brands always is HubSpot. I am a big HubSpot user and have been for a long time, but I've always been impressed with how HubSpot is able to come up in all of the search results for anything related to marketing and also anything related to HubSpot. They were an early mover, but they have continued to dominate when it comes to really being visible within search. They've just done a great job for that. From a consumer side, I really follow, I think, some of probably the biggest brands that other people also follow. So like the Apple, the Nike, the ones who are out there doing really cool things. However, I was in New York City when there was the Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, an event on Fifth Avenue. And I was there and saw it just by chance. And I was like, these are those moments, kind of like the vans driving around. These are those moments where I'm like, marketing can be so cool. I love those things. So last question is just, what are you personally looking forward to in 2023? 2023 for me, I mentioned it earlier, my army of robots, it ranges from 47 to 87. I've been following a few people who talk a lot about the power of AI. And initially, I was a little hesitant with my prior experiences with generative AI. And I finally started trying it out, as I think probably most of us are now. And I have just gotten so excited to see how I can use AI to power so much of what I do. I think someone explained it to me as like the modern day calculator. Like you don't feel bad about plugging a difficult formula into a calculator. Like it's just there for you. It doesn't mean that you don't know math or know all the things around it. So I've been using AI a lot to do my copy drafting and then I can stay in editing mode and strategy mode and it keeps me out of the weeds. And I'm really excited to keep playing around and just figure out all the things that it can do and build my army of robots that then I'll look around and say, movies warned me about this army that is now trying to attack me, but it'll be fine. (laughs) I love that. I feel like it's something I want to explore more because I think we're at a phase where there's almost too much out there. So there's so many different tools, for example. And I think a lot of people are like, how do you make the most out of them? Like you, I think I'm still experimenting. I do find AI really useful for ideation. So I might be just asking them, give me 10 ways to say this, or I want to write something on a particular topic, like what are some angles that I could take? I also love the user for headlines all the time. (laughs) It's actually, it's been really good. You know, you can like throw a blog post or, you know, a LinkedIn post into whatever chat tool you're using. And then just, you know, again, let it act like a sidekick. And you're right. It really is just like a superpower. It absolutely is. I'm excited to see where it goes. Well, thanks so much, Kathy. It was great chatting with you. I'm really glad to have had you on the podcast. Look forward to sharing this with our listeners. 
Thank you. It's so great to be here. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Until next time, this is Amrita Gurney signing off from Toronto. Toronto.